Good morning, everybody. One more thing I want to let you know about is uh, that we're going to do another trip to Israel just about this time next year. Uh, something we need to plan uh, far in advance for. So if you would like to go, if you'd like to, if you know of someone who would like to go, there are uh, handouts like this at the connection desk. You just go out the door and turn right. I'd love to have you join us. The trip is filling up, so I want to let you know that uh, I'd love to have you join us for that trip. It's a life-changing time. It's a really a way for us to experience the reality and the and and scripture in. Not just 3D, but 4D, I like to say. And I'd love to have you with us. I was just um, texting back and forth, talking back and forth this last week with Pastor Israel Pakhtar, who is in Israel, leading one of the only uh, evangelical churches in the entire country. And we are partnering with them to build out their building so that once that's done, they will be the only, the only evangelical church in the entire country that will own their own building. And they have an, yeah, they have an incredible ministry happening. He will be here this fall to spend some time with us and share with us his story. He's an incredible young guy, uh, and so you'll look forward to that. But I want to let you know, if you want to go to Israel and visit that church family and see the country and learn about Scripture and more about Jesus, uh, get that information and sign up, and let's go together to experience that time. Well, it is Easter Sunday morning, so let me say it clearly and loudly, he is risen. He is risen indeed, amen. And I'm so glad to see all of you here. You know, you guys, uh, you dress up pretty good. You look pretty good this morning. Not that you don't normally look good, but you just, you know, look especially good today. And, and I want you to know also that uh, in all of our children's classes today, uh, we're giving all of the kids a big bag of chocolate Easter eggs and a baby bunny. <clears throat> to take home with them. So it's going to be a whole lot of hopped up, hyped up, hopping around. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're not actually doing either of those two things, but we are going to give them Jesus and they are going to have a lot of fun. So ask them when you get done about their time and I'll, let, I'll leave the chocolate and the bunnies to you, um, but they'll have a lot of fun. You know, speaking of giving things to our kids, we love giving things to our children, don't we? And I was the same way as a, a dad, as our kids were growing up. I loved giving them instruction. Now that they're older and I am too, they're giving me instruction. And so, but when, when they were young, I would call them to myself. I'd say, hey, come here, uh, buddy, uh, sis, c come here. I want to tell you something. And I wanted to make certain that they heard me, that they were listening that they understood what I wanted them to know. And most of all, I wanted them to know that I love them. And that's what God has been doing with his people for thousands of years. In fact, Jesus even said, you know, you being, you fathers, although you're evil in nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Does your heavenly Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to you? So for more than 4,000 years, God has been saying to his children, gather together, come here, come here, gather together and come see me. And so you're a part, even now, if you look around the room, you're a part of a more than about a 3,500-year-old tradition where the people of God would gather together and celebrate the Passover. At the Passover, the Passover was, existed because 3,500 years ago, recorded in Exodus chapter 3, Moses was sent by God 
to go to the people of Israel, his people, his holy people, and tell them, hey, come together. Come together. I have something to say to you. I want to lead you out of a land of slavery. I want to lead you out of a time of challenge and difficulty and and being subjugated to slavery like you have been. I don't know if you know this. They lived in the land of Goshen. Anybody ever hear that before? Anybody ever ever hear? If you're like me, you used to hear your grandmother say, well, land of Goshen. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody just me? few of you have ever heard that, that saying? You know, I, when I was young, I, I thought she was saying, well, Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I had no, I, of course, I didn't know what land of Goshen meant either. Uh, but that she would, that was a saying she would say. It's really a place in Egypt where God's people lived. Joseph had identified that place for them. It was a fertile plain. A river ran through it. And it was actually a good place until Egypt decided to start using them as slaves to build the empire of Egypt. And from that time on, the land of Goshen wasn't such a good place. It was a symbol of slavery. So God said, sent Moses, tell my people, come, I want to tell, I want you to listen. I want you to hear something. I want you to understand what I'm saying. And I want you to know how much I love you. Now, now come with me come with me and let's go to the promised land. And so when Jesus arrived on the scene, we celebrated last Sunday, Palm Sunday, when Jesus arrived on the scene, his people had been gathering together at least once a year, often three times a year, just to celebrate gathering together around the Heavenly Father to worship him. They would bring their sacrifices, they would bring their offerings, they'd bring their tithes, and they would worship and have a week-long feast together, and that's what Jesus was doing. We celebrated this last Sunday. That's what Jesus was doing on what is known as Palm Sunday as he was coming over the Mount of Olives, down by the Garden of Gethsemane, across the Kidron Valley, and into the city of Jerusalem. He was there to celebrate with thousands of people the Passover. And that's what he was doing. And that's why God's people have been gathering together, just like we're gathered together here now in the same week, Passover week. We celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. The whole sacrificial system was, was a way for God's people to gather together and receive the presence of God and his forgiveness and his grace and his love. They could connect with his presence. We're made for this. We're created for this. We're formed for this. We're designed for this. We're destined for this, to gather around our God and worship him and experience his love and his forgiveness and his favor. The events that unfolded over this last week You can find them in all of the Gospels. If you look in the Gospel of John, you can start in John chapter 12 and go, and we talked about that last week. In John 13, Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room. We know it as the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, the Passover meal they celebrated together. And he said to them in that moment, he said, as he washed their feet, he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. The commandment is this, that you love one another. In John 14 and 15 and 16, he began to tell them, 
I'm going to leave and I'm going to go away, but don't worry, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. By the way, we're going to talk about that next Sunday, so come back and listen to see what God is giving us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will give you the Holy Spirit. You won't be alone. In fact, not only will you not be alone, he's going to be with everyone who follows me. And then in John 17, he prayed what's called a high priestly prayer, that we would be united in, in our hearts to the Father and to one another the way he is united in his heart to the, to the Father. John 18, he's arrested, dragged off to be tried and convicted and beaten and crucified. Finally, John 20 and 21, we read the events that unfold as we celebrate the resurrection of the Savior. He's now overcome the power of sin and death and the power of the grave, and he is resurrected. He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be there forever. His government knows no end. He will reign forever and ever, and we are in his kingdom because he has been invited. He has invited us to join him there. We don't have to wait for heaven to experience the joy of being with the Savior. Jesus said in John 12, one of these, at the beginning of the week that we've just experienced this week, in John 12, 20, uh, uh, in John 12, starting in verse 31, sorry, he says, My now judgment is upon the world, and the ruler of this world will be cast out. He said, If I am lifted up, he's talking about if I am lifted up on the cross. From the earth, I will draw all men to himself. See his heart? See his heart for us? As he wants to draw us together to himself? It's much like what Kathy and I experience. At times, I'll, I'll hold Kathy close to me. And I'll wrap my arms around her. And I'll look in her eyes and I'll say to her, This is where I belong. And she'll say to me, And this is where I belong. It's a bridegroom talking to a bride. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to us because he's the bridegroom and we, the church, his people are the bride. And he's saying, I want to draw you to myself because that's where you belong. I want to look this morning at a passage. We know what we're celebrating and we know why we're celebrating the resurrection. But I want to look this morning with you at some things that Jesus says to us and I pray that we'll never forget what he says. In fact, I pray you'll remember it every single day. He said it in Matthew chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, or whatever you're reading scripture on, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me. Now I just want to stop there for a second. The words are on the screen. You can look up there if you don't have something to read on. You see what he says to you and to me? He says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There he is again, his heart saying, come to me. 
Something supernatural happens when we come to Jesus. When we give him our life and he gives us his rest. When we give him our burden and he begins to teach us as he yokes us, as he connects us to himself and as he begins to impart what he has for us, his truth, his will, his ways. Something supernatural happens every time. So the thing I want to remind us this morning is everything changes. Everything changes when we answer his invitation to number one, come to me. When we come to him, everything begins to change. I could give you example after example. Many of you could get up here and share your own story about what happened in your life and what continues to happen and unfold and the ways you continue to experience transformation as you come to him. Did you know that you live in one of the most amazing times in the history of the world? I don't know if you realize this, that there are about 7.3, maybe 7.4 billion people on the planet right now. And 31%, about 2.3 billion people around the world are followers of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? That's That's almost as many... People as was alive when I was in high school, which either means it's been a long time or there's been a lot of growth. <laughs> 2.3 billion people. And, and friends, I know I've met many, many of them, in, especially in other countries. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't devoted followers of Jesus in this country. There are. I'm thankful for that. But when you go and you go to some of the places and some of the conditions, we were just talking to Mike Parks, who was just in uh, Iraq and parts of Lebanon where people are putting their lives on the line to follow and serve Jesus. People in other parts of the world are very, very devoted to Jesus. When, the, when you decide you are going to follow Jesus, you are putting your life on the line. And we're living in a time when more and more and more people are becoming followers of Jesus greater than any other time in the history of the world. It's amazing. 2.3 billion people are celebrating the same thing we're celebrating today. They're celebrating the risen Lord. A 31, here's kind of a sobering statistic, at least as far as I'm concerned, 31% of the world population celebrate and follow Jesus Christ as committed, devoted followers of Jesus, and that is a larger percentage by, based on my research, it's a larger percentage worldwide than it is in Wichita, Kansas. Did you know that? Where is the mission field now? (laughs) Right? It's right here, isn't it? And you and I, we get to be a part of the great cloud. We get to be a part of the people of God who shout out his name and who he is to the people around us. I want to look at what happens with Jesus when he says, with some of the first followers of Jesus when he said, come to me. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus, this is early on in his relationship with Peter and with, with many of the other very early followers of Jesus, his disciples, the apostles as they became. He just, he'd met Peter because Peter's brother, Andrew, had introduced Peter to Jesus. 
And then in Luke 5, verse 4, he says, when he, meaning Jesus, when he had finished speaking, Jesus was actually sitting in Peter's boat at the time, just barely, just, just like I am now, just barely off the edge of the water on the Sea of Galilee, and he was using the water as his megaphone, as a way to, to be able to use his voice, and all the people who were there could hear him. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, you know, it's sort of like, you know, you know, Jesus, you're not really the fisherman. You're the carpenter and I'm the fisherman, but, you know, with all due respect, but master, you are my master, you're my rabbi. We worked hard all night catching nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. Remember that account. We're going to look at that again in just a little bit. A short time after that experience, Peter and the others, Peter and his brothers began to follow Jesus. They dropped their nets. They left their livelihood. They left their way of life, and they began to follow Jesus full time. And they devoted themselves completely and wholly to following Jesus. In fact, they were so completely devoted to following Jesus that they began to make promises to themselves and to one another and to Jesus that they will never stop following Jesus. No matter what happens, they will never deny him. And then we get back to that supper that is recorded in John 13. Jesus says to them, you will all deny me. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. He says, you will all fall away tonight. Peter says, oh yeah? Oh, I'm not me. I will die for you. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, especially you actually, <laughs> you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And sure enough, as the rooster crowed, Jesus was in the midst of being persecuted and he locked eyes with Peter. Peter had answered the invitation to come. But now he had fallen away. I don't raise your hands, but my guess is I would say maybe all of us could be put in that same category, right? That we'd at some point, we've answered the call to Jesus. Or, and, and really, there's two groups of people in the room, probably. Some of you have not yet answered the call to follow Jesus. And those of you who have, maybe all of us have fallen away in some way at some point in time. I, I would say, me too. Anybody else want to say, just me too? Me too? We're all in that boat, aren't we? When they stumbled and fell, they needed to come back and be restored just like we do. And that's what happens after Jesus is crucified, buried, and resurrected. He begins to reveal himself to his apostles, even to Peter. Peter denied Jesus with such vehement devotion, he swore he didn't even know Jesus. In fact, on the third time he denied Jesus, not only did he swear, he cursed like a sailor saying, no, I'm telling you, I don't know the guy. And so now, when Jesus decides 
to appear again to Peter. In John chapter 21, the day was breaking. This is after the resurrection. Jesus has begun to show himself to his apostles. And it's now time to have an encounter with Peter. Remember what happened early on, very first part of the relationship, where Jesus proved to Peter who he was and asked him to begin following him. John 21, 4, on the, when the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach and his disciples did not yet know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. Does that sound familiar? And you'll find a catch. So they cast, and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loves, John's talking about himself here. He loved to describe himself that way. Said to Peter, it's the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. When they got it out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, fish placed on it. I think that's sort of Jesus going, oh, you think you're fishermen, huh? And bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to the land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. See, now Jesus is at work again. But nothing's going to be broken. If you keep reading in John 21, you'll find where Jesus began to speak to Peter, and he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He said, then feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, be the shepherd I've called you to be. See, he's not only restoring him to relationship, he is restoring Peter to leadership. Come to me. Come back. I will restore what's been broken and I will provide and I'll give you peace and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. The second thing Jesus invites us to do is receive and learn. Take my yoke upon me, he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. See, relationship with Jesus is not about what he wants from you. Relationship with Jesus is about what he wants for you. That's what he wants. He wants something for you. When he says, take my yoke upon me and learn upon you and learn from me, he's talking about two things. He's talking about being connected to him as a yoke connects us. It's an image of two things. But the yoke of a rabbi is his content of teaching. It's what he teaches. He's helping us understand how to know God. Take that yoke upon you. Take that kind of relationship. Take that understanding on you. I want, it's like a father with a child, as I said earlier. Come to me and listen 
and understand and know what I want to teach you and know that I love you and so you can be free. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's like a harness, being harnessed to Jesus. When my father was a younger man, he did a lot of training of horses and one day they were out training a young horse. These are big work horses and they had an old trainer horse named Fanny. She was a big, older horse, could do anything, and was especially good at training younger horses. So they would harness a younger horse, often full of, you know, a lot of spirit and fear and those kinds of things needing to be trained, and they would harness the young horse to Fanny. And one day they were going down the road, seemingly no big deal, and they crossed a wooden bridge. The wooden bridge didn't have any railings or banisters on either side. And they got about halfway across the bridge, and the young horse, nervous and so, hearing the clomp of hooves on wooden boards, looked to his side and saw the edge of the bridge and shied really quickly and shoved Fanny off of the edge of the bridge, right into the mud and muck and water beneath. And because he's harnessed to her, he too went off of the bridge and on top of her. And she's holding her head up, just barely above the mud and the muck and water. And the younger horse is flailing around, huge animal, trying to get free. And they were finally able to cut him loose and get him free. And then my grandfather looked at old Fanny, and she's laying there. He didn't know if she would be injured or not. And he looked at Fanny, and he said, get up, Fanny. And she got up and walked out of the creek. I tell you that story because what Jesus did is Jesus came and harnessed himself to us. And we shoved him in the creek and killed him. But he did that so we could be free. And then he was and then he was resurrected from the grave. <laughs> And now he says, now he says to each and every one of us, come to me and get harnessed in. Learn from me that you never again need to be afraid. And if you ever find yourself in the ditch, I'll be right there with you. Learn from me. Come to me. And learn from me. And you can't learn unless you're with him. All kinds of examples in scripture where Jesus is telling us what he came to do. I love John chapter, 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. It says the son of God, this is Jesus, appeared for this purpose to destroy the work of the devil. I love that. Jesus in his own words, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life. That's what he wants for us. It's not what he wants from us. John 8, 31, 32. If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. Want to finish it with me? And the truth will make you free. On and on. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and you'll be free. You'll have life in all of its fullness. Today, Jesus is still inviting us to come to him and to learn from him and then walk with him, go with him. 
in Matthew 28. This is when Jesus is, again, after his resurrection, he's just about to return to the Father. Matthew 28, verse 16, he says, The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee. Again, he's going to gather them together in a place he's designated. Verse 17, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority, he's talking about all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, what's he say? I am with you always. He's not going to abandon us, is he? He's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to leave you in the ditch. He's not going to leave you separated or rejected or abandoned or betrayed or alone. He's going to be with you. To the end of the age. See, when we come to him, learn from him, and go with him, do you know what's going to happen? He is going to pull us close, and he's going to say, this is where you belong. That's what he wants you to know. You know, I didn't start following Christ as a devoted follower of Christ until I was 17. I grew up in a Christian home, but I wasn't a devoted follower of Jesus until I was 17. And since that time, much like Peter, I've made a few mistakes. Two. Too many to talk about, right? Anybody else? Are we all in the same boat? Me too? But just like Peter, I've had times when I needed to come back to him. I needed to return. I needed to learn from him. I needed to draw close to him, and I needed to stay with him and walk with him. I needed to know it was okay to come back. I needed to know that I hadn't separated myself so far from him that I couldn't return. And that's what he wants every single one of us to know today. If you've not yet followed, started following Jesus, he's saying to you, come to me. Come to me. Learn from me. Walk with me. you realize the God of the universe is saying to you personally come to me and if you've fallen away like Peter did and like I have he's saying to you today come to me I'll restore you I'll restore the brokenness in relationship and in your role in the kingdom, I'll restore what's been broken. Only he can do that. You know, just a few days ago, it's been, been a couple weeks now, I came up on an intersection. I was in this lane, and in this lane right next to me was a funeral coach. And I looked across into the funeral coach, and I actually knew the driver. 
I recognized him, so we kind of waved at one another. But then I, you know, have you ever had that awkward time when you realize he's still looking at me? (laughs) And I'm thinking, I think he's sizing me up. I think he's looking at me going, I wonder how long it's going to be before you're going to be riding my car. I don't know what he was thinking, but the reality is there's coming a day when I am going to take one more ride. I'm going to take a ride in a funeral coach in the back. That'll be my last car ride. And that's pretty much true for all of us, isn't it? Because last time I checked, the death rate's right up around 100%. So the question is, for me and for you, really the question is, where am I going? <laughs> have I answered the, the question? Have I answered the request? Have I, have I said yes to Jesus? Did I say yes when he said, come, come to me? Or did I continue to push back and reject? Or did I believe the lies of the enemy that says I've done too many things that you can't possibly love me? (laughs) Those are lies. So, what do you hear the Holy Spirit saying to you today? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, he's saying, come to me. Come to me. If If you've been there and you've fallen away or you've rejected him he's saying come back come back to me follow me be with me would you bow your heads close your eyes if you're here today and you would say to me and to God I've never yet started following Jesus I need to do that and I sense this the presence of God inviting me to follow him, would you just raise your hand really high and look up at me and say, that's me. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Thank God for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Would you say, I need to start following Jesus today and answer the invitation to come? Maybe you're here and you've fallen away and you're like Peter or me and you've said, there's a lot of distance between me and God and I need to come back and be restored. If that's you, look up at me and raise your hand really high and just say, that's me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God for you. Thank you. Amen. You know, God not only sees your hands, but he sees your hearts. And he is saying right now to you, to each one, welcome home. This is where you belong. That's what he's saying to you right now. Right here with me is where you belong. Father, thank you. Thank you for each one who's here today. Thank you especially for those who've said, God, I want to know you. I want to come to you. I want to return to you. I want to be with you. I want to be where I belong. 
pour out your blessing, Father, your assurance. Continue to reveal your truth and your love and grace to, the, to each person, Father, we pray. Father, draw every person to yourself right now in Jesus' name.